You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. At the bottom of the hour, Charles Davis from the NFL on CBS. We'll talk about how the Niners literally had no quarterback or at least a guy who can throw for a big chunk of that game yesterday in Philadelphia. We got to ask about the dodgy officiating in the Chiefs and Bengals game. Like, it's dodgy. It was dodgy. It was dodgy. I'm going to get upset. It was dodgy. It wasn't good. It was... And we'll look ahead. It really felt like uh, they wanted a certain somebody to be in the big game rather than a certain other somebody who doesn't have play in as big a market, but that's fine. Because that matters, because nobody would watch the Super Bowl. Sure. Um, It's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the matchup is set for Super Bowl 57, Philadelphia and Kansas City. We'll get Charles' thoughts. An early look ahead to the, quote, big game, which a lot of, like, retail outlets and everybody, I think we'll call it the big game if there's a spot. Yeah. The sure. big game, because you can't call it the Super Bowl. Yeah, because you don't Because have the rights. NFL will come down on you super hard. Yeah. They're very, so, very stingent I've, on that. I've told you, uh, I've told you guys and our listeners before, uh, I used to work at a big box electronics store. Mm-hmm. I was a hello, goodbye guy. Yeah. Hello there. Have a great day. Bye-bye now. I was that guy at the front. Thanks for coming in. Checking your receipt. Hey, do you need uh, to be pointed in the right direction? Yeah, I actually checked the receipts. Not like Mabel at Walmart, who doesn't uh, bother. Or Costco. Just walk right out. Highlighter. Yeah, they don't even look. Yeah. Bring your own highlighter. You can just walk out of Costco with whatever you want. Look at you. Uh, life hack is you steal from Costco. So um, I worked at this big box electronics store, who, which will remain nameless. And... Um, We used to get, this is always funny, the week of the Super Bowl, people used to come in and buy a lot of TVs Mm -hmm. and literally like the day after, after. they would return them. Yeah. They'd have like a a Super Bowl party. trend for a while. Look at my beauty 80 inch TV next day. Yeah. You know what? I wasn't happy because you have like a week to say, hey, I'm not really happy with this. This isn't it. It's not what I thought. You'd be surprised how many people return televisions after the Super Bowl. It's like a free rental. That's that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, sure. But no... I'm good. Like, I, I'm not happy with this television. Frankly, uh, like, I'm in the market for a new TV, number okay. one. But I would do the same if I was hosting. Wow. Like, when, when that came up, I thought of that, and I was like, I would, because my TV's not big enough, frankly, to host. Okay. But I've got a nice space. Okay. I don't really want a front for an 80-inch, yeah. but it'd be nice to have um, for a couple days. Which uh, which one of my teases uh, do you guys want to do first? I want my to... issue with a historical landmark. Yeah, that one or uh, my flames take. No, yeah, I'm really interested on this landmark. Flames are okay. fine. They're whatever. They're we'll is it one in the that. city? Uh, no. Okay. So um, don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter yesterday, mm-hmm. but for some reason, uh, one of the uh, technological marvels uh, of all time, uh, one of the beacons of freedom, and maybe even capitalism. The Empire State Building, for ah. some reason, in Manhattan, was <laughs> lit up in Philadelphia Eagles colors when they won. What? Oh, no. Yeah. Why? I, I you tell me. This. Like, literally, it's a Giants town and a Jets town. So they lit up the Empire State Building when the Eagles won in Eagles green. And then when the Chiefs won, it got lit up in Chiefs colors. They also did it for the Astros when they won the okay. World Series. Sure, but 
Could you imagine here, and this is what I, 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 I was, was floored when I saw this. Like, you got to have at least some allegiance to your city. Mind you, the Jets and the Giants don't even play in New York to play in New Jersey. But those are semantics. You can't do, you can't light up the, the, the tower in your city that everyone looks to, the tourist attraction that is the Empire State Building, in a division rivals colors that you hate and despise. Could you imagine the Edmonton Oilers get to the Stanley Cup final and they and they light up the Calgary Tower in orange and blue? No. Nope. Could you imagine that happening in this city? Couldn't do Would it. Would that even be on the radar? <laughs> it of can't some, be. I don't know who runs the Calgary Tower. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it a city? Is it an independent? I don't I have no it's idea. The tower. But could you imagine them lighting the Calgary Tower in orange and blue because the Oilers just advanced to the Stanley Cup final or, heaven forbid, won the Stanley Cup? What are they doing? No. Like, whose idea was that at the Empire State Building going, it will be a good idea (laughs) if the Eagles win today. Let's light it up in our fiercest division rival who we hate with a passion and have hated for years and years and years. You know where they wouldn't be doing something like that? Philadelphia. (laughs) You think in Philadelphia... Were they threw snowballs at Santa Claus? Were they whipped batteries from you from the stands? Where you literally can't wear another team's sweater during a Flyers game because you get cornered in the washroom and they'll pee all over you. You think, you think in that city they would light up a building? Like even the Rocky Steps, wherever the hell it's called. You think they like that in Giants Blue? The Liberty the York- Bell? Sure. You think the Liberty Bell would be lit up in New York Giants Blue if they got to the Super Bowl? And then for some reason they do it at the Empire State Building? What are they trying to warm themselves up for the city of Philadelphia? You can't do that, Empire State Building. How embarrassing. I- and then even Empire State Building... Came back at Dave Portnoy from Barstool, who said, what a ridiculous thing this is. And they, and they responded with a meme of him crying. Like, <laughs> I, like, come on, Empire State Building. Have some respect for your city, for your fans. Putting your number one rival up as the team colors? It's disgusting. How dare you, Empire State Building? You think in Edmonton, you know, the six-story highest building in Edmonton? <laughs> They've actually got the tallest building west of Toronto. <laughs> Okay. It's enough out of What you. building is that? That's uh, the, uh, what's it called? Uh, Stantec. Great. Sure. It's like 70 stories. Okay, sure. You think that thing <laughs> would be lit up in Calgary red and gold? Or yellow? You think they would do that in Edmonton? Hell no. And they did it at the Empire State Building. Yeah, yeah. So I got a text here. Yeah, you know what was embarrassing? When they lit up the CN Tower in uh, red, white, and blue, the Montreal Canadiens, when they got to the Stanley Cup final, that was a slap in the face and everybody in Toronto. That was embarrassing. Yeah, I totally but agree. But people in Toronto, they don't care about that kind of stuff. You know where they care about that kind of stuff? New York. Yeah. They love their sports teams. But you think they would do that for a second in the city of Philadelphia? Hell no. How many? It's embarrassing. Uh, it's on the cover of New York Post, too. How, how, yes. Bird Brain is the uh, title. How many um, tourists you think got punched in the maw for just asking, you know, just yeah. people on the street? Hey, I happen to notice that the tower's lit up green. You happen to know why? Yeah. Punched out. Night the Eagles are on their way to the Super Bowl, and we lit up the tower. Gross. And that's the number one thing that popped in my head. Imagine if the Calgary Tower was lit up in Oilers, orange, and blue after they advanced to the Stanley Cup final. That would I would hope it would never happen here. I would. Be, I would assume it would never happen here. I would be livid. 
We'd have to start a, a protest or something. We'd have to. I would be very mad. Like I don't. I don't. I can't see the Calgary Tower from my apartment, but I'd have to make sure that I just avoided it. I don't think costs. that'll ever happen. No, I don't think so. Shame either. on you, Empire State Building. Like you're a person, but the people who run the the lighting, I guess, at the Empire State, They're probably building? not real fans. Yeah, is what and, it and is. And then they light it up in the Chiefs, which isn't as bad. It's not like the Patriots got to the Super Bowl and there's that Patriots Giants rivalry too. But you light up in an eagle colors. Frankly, I just thought of the city of Philadelphia. They'd be like, "Are you kidding me right now?" We well, they never do that. Probably laughing. The, yeah, the entire way to the bank. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. They're laughing from all the way up on their greased poles. Yeah, I have a. I, I got a bone to pick with the Oilers later on in the show too. Okay, I'm yeah. looking forward Something to that. Something that I don't think it'll be a popular take, but one that really got me fired up on Saturday night. Huh. Okay. Really got me fired. Interesting. up. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Did it get you more or less fired up than the than the tower being lit up green? About the same. Okay. About the same. Well, then I'm excited. So, uh, Flames beating the Kraken uh, 5-2 on Friday night, which Derek Wills, I think, aptly put it, uh, the most important win of the season. Heading into this long nine-day break. We're day three of the nine-day break at the Calgary Flames. 5-2 win in Seattle against the Kraken. And later on, by the way, Inter Noah's back here for the week. He's going to come in in the 8 o'clock hour with uh, Inter Noah's um, 15-second Flames take where he's going to try to give us a Flames take within 15 seconds and try to jam as much information as possible within a 15-second window. Not 14, not 16, 15 seconds. But watching that game on Friday night, something dawned on me. Uh huh. I had an epiphany. Sure. So, you know the one thing we keep talking about and when the changes were made this summer, where they had to make the changes based on Johnny leaving and Kachuk pretty much saying, I want out and I'm not going to sign here long term. What's the one thing that kept coming out of uh, that I kept hearing coming out of Calgary? You can obviously dismiss this, but this team is quote better built for the playoffs now if they actually get there. That's a take I heard coming out this summer. That if you look at this roster and the players they acquired, this team potentially with Uyghur, with Kadri, with Huberto are better built to be successful in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think that when you are strong down the middle. And you got a strong blue line. I think that's very fair to say. You know, when you looked at it, you looked and said, look it, if you can go six deep, the Shillingtons, Zadorov, Wager, Tanev, Hannafin Anderson, yep. and then roll out these three centermen, yeah, it's a good recipe for success. So I know that uh, two things in this city is a constant uh, that I've noticed. Daryl Sutter gets a lot of heat. Jacob Marshram gets a lot of heat. Which wasn't the case last year. But Correct. Because the guy was literally voted uh, as a Vezina Trophy finalist. And a Jack Adams winner. Sure. So what I watched on Friday night in Seattle in a must-win, a scheduled loss, which a lot of people were calling it. Last game of a break, back end of a back-to-back in Seattle, looked like a scheduled loss. The Flames played unreal in that game Friday night. And watching the amount of effort... And this is this is the thing that really stuck with me on Friday night's 5-2 win. The amount of effort it takes the Flames to win a game like that against a fast team like the Kraken, they can't put that effort, they can't put forth that effort every night. It's impossible. You can't do that in the regular season. And we know slow starts and the lack of effort and the forwards defensively were just 
terrible that game Thursday night in Chicago. But how this team is is constructed and how they don't have a ton of game-breaking forwards who can score goals and, and, and put the puck in the net and rely on those players, the Flames are built on their depth from the forward to the blue line. And when that all comes together, like it did Friday night, Mm -hmm. you see the results. Mm -hmm. That's why, to me, this team is very dangerous come the playoffs because you will see that effort night in, night out in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You just can't play like that in the regular season every night. I I know we as fans, we as media demand that from the team, but it's just not realistic. You can't put that much effort into every regular season game in the NHL. It's impossible. That's what the stark difference between Thursday's game against Chicago and Friday's game against the Kraken was to me. The amount of effort this team put in because there is no way they wanted to go into this long break wherever sunny destination a lot of these guys were hopping on a bird to go to. There was no way they are going to not lose that game. They had to win that game Friday night. And then you saw the effort. If you would put the two games side by side, it's not even in the same stratosphere. Mm. That's the issue with this team. They can't play like that every night. Just give me, I don't know, 70% of that effort on a night-in, night-out basis. Especially come against playoff teams time. Like Chicago and Columbus. Right. Come playoff time, yeah, we, we, we have to see that effort. Mm-hmm. But the amount of energy this team needs to spend to win a game like that, it's just not realistic to expect that from a game-in, game-out basis especially with 32 games left in the season. The other things I would agree add there. Agree or disagree with all of that? Oh, I think it's a very fair point. And like my my number one person that I would point to who is a prime example in this case would be Blake Coleman, a guy who has Stanley Cup rings. He was rings. terrific on Friday night. He was outstanding in that game on Friday. And that was one of those games that you see from him when the postseason usually rolls around. During the regular season, he'll have games where maybe he's quiet, maybe he doesn't do a a whole lot for you on the score sheet, and he doesn't really pop on a highlight reel. But then he'll have games like this, and these are the type of games that I expect from him once the playoffs roll around, where he'll go out, he'll skate his 13 to 14 minutes, he'll be an absolute pest to deal with, he'll hit everything in sight, him and Michael Backlund will be a force that can check the opposition's top guys, no problem. I totally agree with you. I think you bring up a really good point as far as just how this team can play and and almost needs to play to have success. And that was a game on Friday where they used their depth. They were able to get the victory. They pressed hard. They were very strong in the defensive end. They checked hard. And and when they had their opportunities, they cashed in. So I, I think you raise a very fair point. I think another thing that's relative to this is the age of this team. Like, you look at the Buffalo Sabres. That's a team who's having medium success this year. I think it's relative to what the Flames are doing, but it's different. They've got the the youth, so you expect them to be a little bit more energetic, where with the Flames, it's maybe a little bit more that veteran savvy, that wise, don't make as many mistakes that end up in the back of your net. Sure, we might not fly around every single game, but if we play the right way and don't make mistakes we can still find ways to win. So I don't know. It's a good point. It's an interesting case study on the team as we kind of inch near the postseason. Now, right. the key here is you still got to get it in the dance. Right. But but that's getting a glimpse of what that team looked like on Friday night. Or even Saturday against Tampa. It's another sure. game the is week before. What I think this team will look like in the playoffs 
It's just not realistic to expect that effort from a game in game out basis because it's impossible to do in the NHL to play that hard for 60 minutes in a regular season game, night in, night out. You just can't do it. So the Flames just have to have, I guess, find a happy medium. And now you know the frustrations from the head coach because he sees a game like that on Friday and knows what this team is capable of and just needs to kind of get not that much effort, but at least get to 60-70% of that effort. And I think the Flames will have no issues getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, we got to talk about that officiating yesterday in the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. Uh, We'll get uh, Charles Davis' um, take on what a mess that was for the Niners at quarterback yesterday. And we'll look ahead to the Super Bowl matchup. We'll do that next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Um, Later on in the show, uh, the Oilers got me heated on Saturday night. Red hot? Yeah. What did they do? Well, you'll find out. They goof around? You'll find out. And then uh, Inter Noah's back for the week. He thinks it's fun being on the morning show. I don't know why. Yeah, I... But he's gonna he's he's gonna jump on with his inter Noah's uh, fifteen second flames take. Ooh, he has fifteen seconds to uh, bust out his flames take, and then you and I will comment on it after. I'll do my best. And Luke Gazdick later on the show. But right now, uh, our favorite uh, NFL analyst from CBS Sports on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Charles Davis. Charles, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? Uh, we're good. Um, only one football game left in the season, Charles. And we know the biggest talking I point know. from yesterday. I know it's bittersweet. <laughs> it's always bittersweet because you want to watch the Super Bowl, but it also marks the end of the football season. Um, officiating has been yeah. a big talking point on social media here yeah. uh, for the last few hours, Charles. Um, what Before yep. before I, I kind of want to get into this, what grade would you give the officiating from that Bengals and Chiefs game yesterday? Uh, boy, the hard part for me, and I just got to put it out there because it's fully biased, one of my college teammates is an official in the NFL. Mm. And I have great respect for what they do, and I understand how difficult their job is. I truly do. I know it sounds like, you know, a word salad that everyone has to say, but I get it. Like one of my teammates in college is there. I have another teammate in college who who officiates college football and high school football, high level. He's in the state of Texas. So that's really high level. So I know what they're dealing with, but probably a C at best. Mm. And I'm probably being generous because there were so many things that went into it. The call that's driving everybody crazy was the do-over, I believe. I think that's what's really, really yep. nailing people, the do-over play, right? And it's understandable. Now, the weird part is <laughs> I think they got it right. Mm-hmm. But when the, remember when CBS showed later on the official coming in to try and stop play? The one thing I would say, and I need to talk with Gene Steratore and other people because they can set me right if I'm wrong, Come in like you mean business because you're trying to stop play. Don't amble in because it didn't feel like it was that important. And it's a monster play. I mean, if I'm Zach Taylor Cincinnati, of course I'm losing my mind over there. Hold on a second. 
What do you mean they get a do-over? This feels like the, the turkey bowl on Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, when you can't decide whether the guy made the catch or didn't make the catch, he's inbounds, out of bounds, and it turns into almost a fist fight. And what do we always say? All right, do it over. Do over. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not in the NFL. So if you have that call, be at a full sprint. Come yeah. in there and be emphatic. Mm. I think when we showed it, I mean, and when I saw it on TV, maybe I was wrong. Help me out, guys. It didn't look like he had full conviction on what he was doing. No. And I think that's what you need. You always hear people say, sell the call. doesn't matter whether it's hockey, football, basketball, right? The best officials, they sell the call. Even if, even if it's wrong, they're emphatic that they got it right. And, and at that point, it kind of puts you into the position of, well, maybe they did get it right, even if you're convinced that they're wrong. But in this case, no one's convinced anywhere. Only people like the call were Kansas City people. Everyone else, even if you had no dog in the fight, mm-hmm. you hated it because it just didn't look right. Um, Charles, correct me if I'm wrong. When they pick officials for the postseason, uh, they do it based on their performance during the regular season, and they don't take specific crews. Do they still do that? Correct. So that is I, correct. That I don't know. I don't understand why that is. Over that recently. So I, that that probably I had something to do why. with it. Be, because you don't have the familiarity of working with the same guys you've done the entire season, and then we see an incident like that in such a crucial game at such a crucial juncture in this game that is determining who's going to go to the Super Bowl, and you have guys who haven't really worked together during the entire season. I don't understand why the league does that. Keep the crews together so you have that continuity. Yeah, and I asked that same question to uh, Dean Blandino, who used to you know, run the, the league's officiating crews. And he said there's always discussion about that. He said, but the rating system that's in place, obviously, it's just like we would have in school. All right, did you do A work, B work, C work, as determined by you know the standards that have been set, right? He said, if you keep the crews together – you may have what is what is called you may have continuity, but you're also leaving at home a bunch of highly rated officials because on some crews, the crews are strong enough to carry officials who aren't as good. Mm. And so, like you could liken it to a rowing team. Okay, so let's say you're rowing eights. You know how the now they determine the best of the best in the rowing team. They just keep they just keep taking different crews and putting them in different spots in different places to see who is not keeping pace, timing this, 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 and this, in order to come up with the best that you can. This person should be sitting in the sixth seat. This person should be in the eighth seat, that sort of a deal. That's what you're trying to do for this. And, yes, you don't have that quote-unquote continuity. But during the season, you would probably be surprised at the number of times people work on different crews throughout the year. You get injuries. You get illnesses. You get deaths in families, you get things where people miss games and other people fill in with crews. So guys actually, and women, work with each other a little more than we are kind of, you know, thought of because we think a crew's a crew's a crew. I will tell you that over the course of doing a 20, let's call it a 20-game season, counting preseason, I will get the crew midweek, and there are plenty of times when on game day, I am changing a person out in a crew that's not there because of various reasons. Mm -hmm. So all that being said, 
the continuity makes perfect sense, and I think a lot of people would like that. Like college football, I think they take crews to big bowl games and national championship games. In the NFL, they feel like if we have a rating system and we're going to leave the higher-rated people home, what's the sense of having the rating system? We've got to rate them strictly as a crew. And in some cases, the crew is making up for some of the weak links, and they don't want that. Charles, one of the big plays highlighted from that game was the roughing the passer penalty on Joseph Asai um, and then all of the emotional yeah. videos after. B.J. Hill in the locker room kind of coming to his support. Zach Taylor supported him in his press conference. Um, but maybe just a thought on Osai, the player, and how things shook down at the end of that game. Yeah, he's a good player, and he's coming along. People have to remember this is a guy who was drafted to be a pass rusher, to be – what we saw, unfortunately, turned into a penalty on Sunday. He, he's got speed. He's quick off the ball. He actually lost the season due to a knee injury in 2021. So he was back this year, back at full speed, back playing and, and giving them what, what, what they're looking for. He got caught, young kid trying to make a play, going too fast, couldn't stop. It's like me. I'll put it to you this way. Mm-hmm. It'd be like me trying to skate. <laughs> and then trying to stop, and I can't do it. So I'm going to careen into the wall. The wall will stop me, but it's not going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. And he just got out of control. Mahomes clearly in the white, as we like to say, on the sidelines. And he touched him, and he made a big, big mistake. And you can see his reaction afterwards. You can see how emotional he was. He's not trying to say he didn't make a mistake. He's not trying to say the officials did it wrong. B.J. Hill stood there as big brother and took good care of him, which was wonderful. Zach Taylor said all the right things a coach should say. Um, he was trying to make a play and messed up. That's what it came down to. Now, Jermaine Pratt, his other teammate, he had a few other things to say on the way into the locker room mm-hmm. that weren't quite as nice. They will iron that out. I think you've both been around these situations. You've probably both been involved in them. And I think everyone can hear our voices. It doesn't matter whether it's a locker room. Take a business office. Right, Take a group of people that work together, big projects, long nights. Where tempers can get short. Things can be said, and you work through them, and you iron it out, and you keep moving forward. I don't think Jermaine Pratt and Joseph Asai will be meeting with 20 paces and pistols before training camp next year, okay? I don't think it's going to work out that way. I think that they will, they will, they will work it out and go. But in the heat of the moment, a chance to go to the Super Bowl, it was a play that you absolutely cannot make but all of us are actually capable of making that type of a play that we should not make and cannot make. Some of the best players I've ever played have made some of the most boneheaded plays trying to make a play. And in this case, we got a youngster, and hopefully he'll get his confidence back, come back and play with a vengeance and play well. We, we, we've seen that before. You remember Georgetown basketball, North Carolina, Fred Brown, throwing the ball to the North Carolina player late in the ball game. And the guy goes down, and they end up losing Georgetown. They don't even get a chance at the final shot. Michael Jordan made the shot, et cetera, et cetera. Two years later, he came back and played really well, and Georgetown won the national championship. And the first guy to embrace him was the head coach, John Thompson, to make sure the mm-hmm. world knew. Mm-hmm. I, you know, We always stuck by this young man. And maybe Joseph Asai had that kind of a Fred Brown moment in his career. Charles, uh, in that contest with the Chiefs, they're, they're losing skill players. They lose a couple of receivers. Travis Kelsey perches yeah. back during the week but is able to fight through. We saw Mahomes limping around on the field. But do you have any worry that Mahomes needs these skilled position guys to be ready for the Super Bowl? Because he's also shown in the past that he can kind of just get it done with whoever's out there. 
<laughs> yeah, he and he did it again on Sunday. Did exactly. They? Because those guys kept dropping during the game. Um, they found a way. The hard part is, okay, you're just putting so much more pressure on Travis Kelsey, yeah. right? Because you know, if if I'm if I'm Philadelphia, any key situation, he's not getting double; he's getting tripled. Uh, you know, I'm getting a body on him. I'm doing everything possible to try and throw him off his game. And I'm going to make the others beat me, okay? You know, I go back to coaches telling me years ago, a certain, you know, if that guy is the best player on the floor, let's say it's basketball, if he's the best skater on the ice, he's not going to beat me today, okay? I may put four people on him or her, but they're not going to beat me. Now, if someone else who's a lesser player beats me, I sleep like a baby. If I let that person beat me, I don't sleep for the next year because I knew they were the best player. That's what I think you go into with Kansas City. If Kadarius Toney can't play, if Marquez, if uh, if uh, Juju Smith-Schuster can't play, you know, now you're down to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. <laughs> Marcus Kemp, who maybe has two catches on the year, has to come in and try and play, right? Does Noah Gray get more balls thrown to him at tight end? Does Fortson become more of a guy at tight end? Mahomes figures it out. Jarek McKinnon caught more balls out of the backfield. Isaiah Pacheco, he may have to catch a few more. But it it puts so much more pressure on people. And I want to give a, a, a shout to Marquez Valdez-Scantling because throughout his career, we've always known he could run. And when he does catch the ball, it's usually for big yardage because of his ability to, to get downfield. But his hands have been shaky at best throughout his career. How about yesterday? When they needed the, the, the true step up, he did it. That catch he had in the end zone that almost got knocked down and, 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 and Mahomes almost impaled the ball to his chest. In the past, that's one he likely would have dropped. He didn't do that. He had the best game of his career when they flat out needed it. They may need something like that again in the Super Bowl because it is a tough. It's a tough slog when every time Kelsey runs a route, there'll be four guys wearing either white or, or, or green that'll be running with him. And I don't know who's going to wear the the, home, the jerseys or not. We'll find out. But hmm. Kelsey's going to get doubled and tripled every single snap. Have to. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, what was your take on that fiasco at quarterback for the Niners yesterday? And how frustrating is that if you're a Niners fan watching uh, Brock Purdy just hand the ball off because he can't throw it down the field? <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one because injuries are going to happen. There's no getting around it. But I do think it helps us as fans, as people who love the game, say, can we bring the third quarterback back into the game, please, so that we can have someone who – ostensibly that's what they do can try and play a game, <laughs> you know, especially an NFC championship game. Cause Josh Johnson has been around. It's not like he has, and he's had moments where he's been pretty darn good. I remember him playing a few years ago. I think it was for the jets. When he had to step in when Mike white got hurt on a Thursday night in Indianapolis, he stepped in the game and threw for over 300 yards that night. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he doesn't have confidence and can play, but he gets a concussion. He's out. Purdy can't throw because of the nerve. Now you're jammed. We used to have a rule in the NFL where you had an emergency third quarterback that didn't count against your numbers, but he could only play in emergencies. And if he did play, I think it rendered your other quarterbacks null and void. So you couldn't just you know run him out there for the heck of it. <laughs> your other guys had to be out. 
But, boy, that sure would be nice to have someone who actually can play quarterback back there rather than Christian McCaffrey playing wildcat and faking handoffs and faking things and then throwing the ball deep to grass. You know, I mean, it just hmm. it, it just it just hurts your it just hurts your product. Yeah, you know. And Christian McCaffrey's a tremendous player, but he shouldn't be in that position. It just hurts your product. It hurts what people are watching. I hope the league takes heed of that and has serious consideration of bringing a third quarterback back. Now, the one thing we have to keep in mind: each team looks at backup quarterbacks differently. Some teams don't value it as much as others, which sounds weird, right? But think about all the years about some of your favorite teams. And see if you can remember who was the backup quarterback and did I think he could actually play if he came into the game? Russell Wilson in his prime in Seattle, his backups were guys who couldn't play. Mm -hmm. But Russell never got hurt or never got hurt to the extent he missed time. That only happened in the last two seasons. So over time, Austin Davis was a backup, and I can't even name who else was a backup. Charlie Whitehurst? Clipboard Jesus? Charlie, well, clipboard Jesus, but clipboard Jesus was back up everywhere. Yeah, you know, and he, he got signed to be a starter. And he remember he got signed to be a starter, and they found out that wasn't a great idea. Yeah, but I believe he was a starter on that team that went to the playoffs at seven and nine, and then we had the beast mode run game. But after that, they realized he's not really a true starter in this league. But some teams have it where they feel good. The Eagles and Nick Foles will always be the standard. But trust me on this one. If you go back to the first half of their first playoff game against Atlanta that year, you would have thought Philadelphia didn't have a good backup either. Nick Foles got it in gear and got it together and played well the rest of the way. That first half, mm-hmm. <laughs> go back and ask Philly fans to be real with you, and they'll go, oh, God, we thought we were dead. <laughs> and it happened. So, so even then, it's not necessarily that. And I, I've told this story, and I'll end right here. A prominent offense coordinator told me one time he had a superstar quarterback, and I asked him about getting his backup reps during the week. And he looked at me and said, reps during the week? Why? And I said, well, what if he has to play? He said, he said, he said Charles, see that superstar over there? When he plays, we have a chance to win. If he doesn't play, we are blanked. <laughs> and by the way, I don't coach blanked. So, no, I don't give the backup any reps. <laughs> I want my starter to have everything. I'll never forget that conversation. Awesome. And, he, and he said it to me straight to my face. If he doesn't play, we are blanked, and I don't coach blanked. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, my all-time favorites. Uh, Charles, I know uh, we're going to ask you about the Super Bowl matchup in one sec. I just want to squeeze this one yeah. in first. Who's the starting quarterback in San Francisco week one, 2023? I think they're going to go to camp and let Purdy and Trey Lance battle it out mm. because you they used a lot of draft capital on Trey Lance. They don't want to let that go. Remember, they, they gave him the job last year. Didn't even let Garoppolo compete for it. Yeah. I think they're going to let him battle it this time. I think he's going to have to because the way Purdy played, the way the team responded. And, oh, by the way, Purdy gets hurt. And who would ever thought we'd get into an NFC Championship game where we're going, man, Brock Purdy might have been in difference in this game. I mean, that just tells yep. you how far we've come and how far they've come with him. Because they had a chance for it to be a game if Brock Purdy plays. And by the way, that first throw to George Kittle, that let me know the moment was not going to be too big for him. Mm-hmm. He was ready to play. It was a freak thing, ulnar nerve, wham. 
you know, we always talk about hitting our funny bone, and usually that, that sensation goes away. But when you hit it really bad, it doesn't go away very quickly. That's what they ran into yesterday. But I do think they'll let them fight it out come training camp. I still think Jimmy Garoppolo ends up somewhere else next year. Um, there isn't a specific guy from North, uh, North California, Northern California, who grew up a Niners fan, who has a bucket full of Super Bowl rings and just finished playing for the Tampa Bay yeah. Buccaneers. You don't think there's a chance he's the starting quarterback of the Niners? There's always a chance. The, 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 I feel like if it didn't happen on the first go-round and he ended up in Tampa, I don't know that it happened mm. now. Interesting. You know, because this, this is a team that would really like to get off the quarterback carousel. They don't want to be the Indianapolis Colts. Right. <laughs> you know, where you play rent a quarterback every year mm-hmm. and you don't have your person. You drafted Trey Lance for a reason. You need to find out if he's going to be your guy or not. And Brock Purdy has shown that he can be that guy for you. Now, next year, it'll be like baseball. He's gone through the league now a little bit. They'll have tape on him. He'll have to make some improvements, some adjustments, some changes. You know, remember the guy who hit 450 the first time through the league, and then all of a sudden, here comes the big curveball? Hmm. Oh, there's your equalizer. Are you going to adjust your, your hitting approach? Are you going to get better at what you do? Brock Purdy will have to do that next year. What he did this year was phenomenal, but if he does the exact same thing next year, they will have some more answers for him. He's got to up his game as well. All right, Charles, it's going to be the Chiefs and the Eagles in the Super Bowl in Arizona in a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. The Eagles are favorites uh, by two points as the line opens up for this game. Just uh, maybe a quick thought before we let you go on uh, the big game a couple of weeks from today. Yeah, let's just make it really simple. The Eagles look a little more old school. Mm-hmm. They like to run the football pound you, beat you up. But we've talked about this before. What do they like to do first, though? They want to throw it. They want mm-hmm. to throw it and then get back to beating you up in the run game. Flip it over to Kansas City. They almost like they have no interest in running the football. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's not a big deal to them. And I think that the sledding will be even tougher when you think about that defensive front of Philadelphia because they signed Indomitian Sue and Linval Joseph, but they're not even starters. Yeah. You still got Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave you've got to run through inside. So that makes it difficult, even though Isaiah Pacheco runs like the most angry person I've ever seen run a football, probably since Marshawn Lynch, which is kind of cool. But that's not what Kansas City's interested in. Will they have their full full uh, plethora of receivers? Will they be able to go and, and do the things they normally do? But remember this, Andy Reid always has change-ups. And Nick Sirianni looks like kind of, you know, hey, we're going to run, we're going to beat you up, we're going to do that. He's got a few innovations as well. The quarterback sneak was, you know, looking like an old rugby scrum is in play. There's going to be a counter off of that in the Super Bowl, I predict, where they're going to line up for it and look like they're doing it, and something crazy is going to come out of that. That's just my early line prediction. He will have some change-ups as well. Well-steeped in the whole thing, has a lot of confidence as a young coach. So the basics will be in play. But what counters will they throw at each other, and how will they work? I mean, heck, Kansas City was throwing hook and lateral out in the middle of the field, and Travis Kelsey was trying to throw a 20-yard lateral. I said, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So Kansas City's not afraid to do some things, and trust me, Philadelphia won't be either. Cheesesteaks versus Kansas City barbecue. What do you got, Charles? Kansas City barbecue. Mm-hmm. I'm an old-school barbecue guy. Although, yeah. Amy Trask, the old president of the, uh, the of the Oakland Raiders, who ran the Raiders forever, 
read her book. Um, you negotiate like a girl, I think it's called, and it's one of the greatest books. And she learned how to order a Philly cheesesteak from Rich Gannon, who's from from that area. They were flying back for a game, and she's like, "So if I get a cheesesteak, what I do?" And Rich says, "You just load that B up. That's how you <laughs> order it. Go up and just say, load that B up." And Amy got up there and said, "Load it up, B." To an old school Philadelphia cheesesteak guy, she's like. Oh, I think I, I think I did it wrong. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. She 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 said she she rolled up there with confidence too. Like Rich said, "Hey, load that B up." She rolled right up, said, "Load it up, B." And she said, "The look that guy gave her." Oh my god, love it. Oh oh, and I have to ask you this. That. Sorry, I have to ask you this. How ridiculous it was the Empire State Building was lit up in Eagles colors yesterday. How dare they? Did it? Did New York lose a bet? Like no. Why then? Exactly. Exactly. I'm, Could you imagine I'm, I'm Philadelphia from, I'm, I'm letting from, up the Liberty New- Bell in New York Giants colors? That would no. never happen. That's a, that, that's an absolute no. Okay? Yeah. Rocky's a fictional character, but everyone in Philly thinks he's real. If they did light <laughs> yeah. that up, every Rocky wannabe would be headed to New York to punch someone. Yeah. That would not happen. <laughs> so I'm still in shock. When I heard that that went down, and yeah. I'm from the Empire State, I was like, who made that decision? Yeah. Look, we can congratulate them, be all nice in the division and all, but you really don't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're like, that, that's, 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 right. that's, clenched, that's clenched teeth congratulations. Listen, that's game seven in the Stanley Cup playoffs when you shake hands because it's custom, but you really don't want to. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's mind-blowing that they did that, and I understand why Giants fans are really upset uh, this morning, Charles Davis. And let me tell you something. Sure. Name, name, name your favorite detective out there. They need to be on the case right now. Yeah. I don't care if it's Sherlock Holmes, the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Sipowitz. Uh, I don't care who it is. Will Trent. I've Someone seen about a million. About what happened. I've seen well, a million promos well, well, for that Trent's show. Will Trent. Right yeah, get Will Those Trent Little on Chihuahua. Will, yeah. will, will Trent's rolling. Yep. Okay. Can, can we get the SVU unit on it? Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Someone needs to give me an answer of the Empire State Building rolling over in Philadelphia colors. Like somebody, what? Yeah, that doesn't that for for the state of New York. We demand answers. Yeah, okay. It's embarrassing. Demand answers. Uh, Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports. Charles, great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Remember, be careful ordering those cheesesteaks if you I get will. to Philly, all right? I absolutely will. Uh, thanks, Charles. Okay. Uh, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Hudson and Rex? Maybe don't sure. get that one south of the border, but... Yeah. I'm sure the dog would bark at the Empire State Building, and then yeah. they would figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't get the littlest hobo on the case, yeah. I guess. If you want to go that route from the 80s. Like, you find out that the building's green and eagles colors. What the hell are they doing? I don't get it. The littlest hobo. Oh, why don't we light up the Calgary Tower in Oilers blue and orange? Congratulations. Way to go, Oilers. Like Congratulations, o- advancing to the Western Conference Final. The blue only, and orange. The only time that would have been appropriate was right after they got swept by the Avalanche. Or... Sure, or like the the two cities had a bet. Yeah, sure. Okay, that's the only time the mayors made the bet. Yeah, sure. The, 
you know, we'll send you a big pile of cheese or some steaks or something like that yeah. or whatever your city's famous for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, straight ahead, I got I got fired up at the Oilers on Saturday night. Yeah. Leave this into to the break. Okay. Such a good song. Any excuse to play this. Yeah, you can. Sign me up. It's the best. Um, you I got, got 40 fi- seconds to do your throw. I got fired up with the Oilers on Saturday night. We'll do that. Intern Noah with his Flames 15 seconds take. It better be hot. It better be hot. It better be hot. And Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, all straight ahead in the 8 o'clock hour. Which fight should we ask Luke about this time? That's what I want to know. Okay, well, which, you, you figure out during the break. Which scrap? Yeah. Fisticuffs. Fisticuffs. A slobber knocker. Yeah. We'll Throwing do haymakers. We'll, we'll figure that out during the Chucking break. Chucking fists. Big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet Feeding them the, the old knuckle Stop sandwich. It. Sportsnet 960, the fan.